Welcome to Passion Life Church. Good morning. We're so glad that you're here. And uh, this morning, on this great Easter morning today, you know, we're celebrating the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. And, uh, you know, I want to talk about this morning how this one event that today that we're coming together to celebrate, how the resurrection changes everything. You know, I don't know where you are in, in your walk and in, in faith, or maybe today, you know, someone invited you and you really don't know what this is all about. I want you to know something. You're welcome here. And here at Passion Life Church, you don't have to believe before you belong. As a matter of fact, you can belong. And what we know is when you experience the love of Christ, his love never fails. And when you experience that, you'll experience God. And so we know that everybody is on a journey. And what I want to do is I want to take you a little bit on a journey this morning and talk about this man called Jesus. You know, I think it's interesting is that when Jesus was still on the earth and he was walking around, it was probably about 33 AD, he started out with these 12 guys. I mean, these 12 guys, just normal guys, fishermen, some of them, and he picked them. I don't know about you, but I liked to be picked I was the kid that sometimes when they were picking sides didn't get picked. How many of you have ever been there before? And uh, you're like, pick me, pick me, pick me. And <laughs> nobody picks you, you know. And so I can just imagine what it was like for these young men to be picked by Jesus. And he called them. He actually recruited them and called them by name to be a disciple. And a disciple simply means this. A disciple means learner. Everybody say that with me. Would you say learner? And so... What's interesting is that Jesus starts out his ministry with 12 guys. And then over a three and a half year period, it grows to about 120 people following Jesus. But today, it's interesting, today, 2.3 billion people say, I believe in Jesus. 2.3 billion people who say Jesus was who he said he was. He is the son of God. He died. He rose again. And he's coming back again. 2.3 billion people. You know, that's actually, if I just were to give you some perspective today, that's actually the church. 2.3 billion people is larger than China. Actually, the church is larger than Europe. China, and the United States put together. That's really one out of three people that say that they are a Christian and believe in Jesus. Do you know that there is nothing on the planet that is larger, an organization that is larger than the Christian church? And what's interesting to me is that Jesus, he never wrote a book. He never wrote a book. But there's been more books written about Jesus probably than any other he never wrote a letter, never wrote a letter. Do you know that Jesus never wrote a song? He never wrote a song, and yet there have been thousands of songs that have been written about Jesus. And in my opinion, some of the most beautiful songs that have ever been written have been written about Jesus. Do you know that Jesus, he never built any buildings? He never built any buildings, yet there's been more architecture that has been built for him than any other. Think about this for a minute. Jesus never traveled outside of about 200 miles from his hometown where he ministered. He never traveled outside of 200 miles. And now 
Today, about 2,000 years later, 2.3 billion people are following Jesus. Can I ask you this question? What happened? Let me tell you what happened. The resurrection happened. And when the resurrection happened, it changed everything. Come on, if you're going to clap for him, let's not give him a golf clap. Let's give him a good clap this morning. And it was that. It was the resurrection that actually inspired these disciples, these early believers. It was the, the, the resurrection that changed everything and it actually made them so contagious by sharing the gospel with other people. And you say, what is the gospel? The gospel is simple. The gospel, the English word, simply means the good news. The good news. And today, that's what we're sharing today. We're sharing the good news. And what I want to do in our time together is I want to show you six incredible benefits that the resurrection brings to our life. Here's the first benefit that the resurrection brings. Number one, I don't have to live with guilt and shame anymore. You know, see, I don't have to live with guilt and shame anymore because Jesus paid for my sins on the cross. He paid for my sins. He paid for your sins. Are you ready for this? He paid for your past, present, and future sins. How can I even say that? Say, Phil, how can you say future sins? Because you weren't even born when he had died for humanity. So from the cross to now, every sin would be future. And it was all paid for from what Jesus did on the, the cross. And I could tell you in about 20-something years of ministry, I uh, did probably about 17 to 18 years of youth ministry, love young people. And uh, then God called us to Marietta, California from El Paso, Texas. Yeehaw! Living on the border of Juarez, Mexico. Mexico lindo. Right? Santo eres Señor. Gracias. Amen. See, in Spanish, you don't say amen, brother. You say amen. Right? Like in Spanish, you don't say I love you. You say Right? We don't say I love, we don't say love, we say amor. It just sounds more romantic. Come on, somebody. I mean, even, right? I love the name of Jesus and I believe it's powerful. I really do. Like, but even us as Americans would say Jesus Christ, but in Spanish, Jesucristo. Woo! I feel something when I say that. I don't know, there's something about that. But he called us from El Paso to Marietta, California. And now in the last five years, our church planted from scratch, didn't know anybody. And God has done so many amazing things. And now being a pastor for, I don't know, 20-something years, here's what I've noticed. And I've talked with a lot of people. So many people are still living with guilt and shame. Even after what Jesus went through on the cross, so many people are bearing guilt and bearing shame. And if we were honest, if I were to ask you today, make a list of the things that you regret in your life. I'm sure that you could probably make a list pretty quick. If I were to ask you today to make a list of the things that you were guilty of, nobody would look at this list. I'm sure that some things could probably come to your mind. And if you were guaranteed that nobody else would look at the list, and I said, hey, make a list of some things this, today that you're actually ashamed of, I'm sure that we could all make a list. And you know why? Because we're all imperfect people. And today, even as a pastor, I'm an imperfect person 
I had sinned and I needed a savior to die for my sin. I needed a perfect savior to die because I was an imperfect person. But here's the good news is God never meant for us as his people to walk through life with this heavy guilt and our life filled with guilt and our life filled with shame. In fact, that's why he sent Jesus to take away the guilt and the shame and to set you free from your sin. Is anybody happy today that there is forgiveness of sins for our sins? You know, I think sometimes we, we don't really understand what, how Jesus died and how he was so punished for our sins. Do you know that he was betrayed by one of his best friends? You know, I don't know if you've ever been stabbed in the back. I always tell people I'd actually rather be stabbed in the front. You know, at least I know that it's coming. But Jesus, from one of his disciples, Judas, kissed him on the cheek. And I think when we look at the crucifixion, we can talk about the physical, and, and honestly, it was so brutal, but there was emotional things that were attached. And for those of us maybe that have been physically or maybe emotionally abused, sometimes I wonder if maybe the emotional is even worse because the physical bruises can go away. But what I've learned about emotional abuse is that that's not as easy to go away. But you know what, the Bible says that they took him and they beat him up. I've never been beat up. I've been punched a couple times in my life and then I learned real quick, right? Mama didn't raise no fool. And I learned real quick, but Jesus was beat. They actually tore his beard out from his face. They put a crown of thorns where he began to bleed. And the Bible says that they scourged him with a cat of nine tails, which was a whip that had nine pieces of leather that had bone and rock on it. And every time they would hit him, nine lashes would hit his back. And he was hit 39 times. See, every time that he was hit with the cat of nine tails, it would literally rip his back out. It would hit apart in front to the genitals and and rip things apart. And they could only do 39. As a matter of fact, they never did 40 because out of Roman law, if you did more than 40, the person who was scourging you had to go through the same scourging. So the Romans only did 39. And I think about these things and I think about how Jesus came when capital punishment was at its worst. You know, he could have come and just died for our sins by lethal injection. But you know what? He chose to come and die under Roman crucifixion, which was the worst. And you say, Pastor Phil, why are you saying this to me? I'm saying this to you because, see, we don't understand his punishment. Because I believe if we understand his punishment, we would stop punishing ourselves for the sin that Jesus was punished for. See, they put him up on the cross and they nailed him to the cross. You know, I, I, I did some research on this and doctors say that the place that they hit Jesus in his hands, right, is actually if the nerve endings, when they hit him, it would have the equivalent to somebody being struck by lightning. That is the pain. And so when they put him up there and they nailed his hands and they nailed his feet, they nailed his feet because on the cross, what would happen is you would start to fall because you couldn't breathe. And so when you started to fall, you have to push yourself up on those nails that were nailed into your feet. 
And most of the time, crucifixion could last a week. They would leave them hanging up there. And Isaiah, a prophet in the Bible, if you read in the book of Isaiah, he talks about looking at Jesus on the cross, and he says this. He says he was marred beyond what we could tell. In other words, when you looked at Jesus on the cross, it wasn't one of these pretty pictures you see like at a Christian bookstore where he's got blush on his face, right? And he's got like a little loincloth, right? That's not what it was. Isaiah said, you looked on the cross, you couldn't even tell it was a man because he was so disfigured. And then the Bible says that he became, he didn't just take on the sins of the world, he became sin to the point where he had to look up and say, my God, my God. Do you know what's so interesting is that Jesus had always called his father, father, but because he became sin, it was the first time that he would call, not my father, but he would say, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And can I just tell you, my friends today, Jesus was forsaken on the cross so you could be accepted today. And I wanna say this this morning, I'm not trying to be gruesome today about the crucifixion, but I still meet people who every day are punishing themselves with the guilt and the shame. And I wanna tell you the good news is you don't have to punish yourself anymore because Jesus took your punishment on the cross. That's some good news this morning. Come on, let's give him a good round of applause. You know, I, I talked to a guy one time and he was telling me how he was praying that God would heal his, his, his body. And we believe as a church that that blood that was shed when that Isaiah says that by his stripes you were healed. So out of his blood, not only came power to save you, out of his blood came power to heal you. And I was talking to a man that I had prayed for and I said, you know, excuse me, sir, we pray and we believe that by Jesus' stripes today you were healed. I talked to him a week later and I said, hey man, how are you doing? He said, I'm doing pretty good. As a matter of fact, he said, I feel 80% better. I said, really? Oh man, that's awesome. And I said, well, let's pray and let's just believe for that 20%. Come on, if God can heal you 80%, the other 20 is not gonna be a big deal. And he said, oh no, 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 don't, don't pray for me anymore. He said, don't pray. He said, God left that 20% of sickness in my body to teach me a lesson. And I looked at him and I said, sir, I know that sounds very, very spiritual today, but I'm gonna tell you what you're saying. You're saying that what Jesus did on the cross was not good enough for you. When he said, and this is what you're saying, sir, you're saying that when Jesus bowed his head and said it is finished, you're saying it's not finished, that he has to leave 20%. And his, I mean, he looked as white as a ghost. And I said, sir, because of what Jesus did today, it is finished and your guilt and shame has been taken care of. So here comes the question, who put Jesus on that cross? Who put Jesus on the cross? The answer may shock you. Number one, God did. God put Jesus on the cross. Pastor Phil, I thought it was my sin. Yeah, but you know what? He could have left you in your sin, but he loved you so much. You know what he did? He sent his son Jesus to die on the cross. Isaiah chapter 53 verse six says this. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own ways and the Lord, everybody say that, the Lord. The Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Turn to our own way. We were doing our own thing and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us 
all. Do you know that Isaiah, the prophet, 2,000 years ago, even actually said this? In Isaiah 53, it said, he says this, it actually pleased the Lord to crush his son because he loved humanity. And today, we are the recipient of the forgiveness of sins because God loved you so much, he wouldn't even spare his only begotten son. Here's the second answer to who put Jesus on the cross. I did, you did, because of our sin. Because of our sin, Romans chapter four, verse 25 says this, he was delivered over to death. Now, can I just say this? Some people, when they look at Christ, they think, oh man, what kind of guy, man? They just let him uh, take, they took his life. They didn't take his life, my friends. He laid it down. The Bible says that he, on the cross, he could have, count, he could have called 10,000 angels. We know from the Old Testament, one angel can kill about 10,000 people. And he, on the cross, could have called 10,000 angels, but he didn't. He didn't stop it. You know why? Because he loved and he loved you. He says he was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. Right? He died for sinful man so you and I could be justified and be righteous. So I tell people all the time, you can't pay for what's already been paid for. I don't know if you've ever had this dilemma when you go out to eat and we like to go out to eat every once in a while and, and, uh, and we like to pay for our friends. And there's been times where I'll tell them, hey, give me the bill and it never comes to the table. And then our friends find out, hey, you took care of the bill. It's paid for, right? I've had people pay for me, but I've never had this dilemma where a friend says, what? You paid for me? Waiter, I want you to refund his credit card. Here's mine. I want you to pay. I'm going to pay for what's already paid for. Nobody does that. But you know what we do? We do that with our sin. Because there's something inside of us that wants to pay for our own sin. And yet Jesus died on the cross to pay for your sin. See, there's a place called heaven and there's a place called hell. Hell is reserved for people who want to pay for their own sin. Hell is reserved for people and that's what I don't understand is that you don't have to pay for it because Jesus has already paid for it. It's paid for. Ephesians chapter one, verse seven says, in Christ, we are set free. Would you say that with me? Say, I'm set free. I'm set free by the blood of his death. That's the crucifixion. And so we have forgiveness of sins because of God's rich grace. Grace is he didn't give you what you deserve. He actually, give you, he actually gave you what you didn't deserve. And Jesus, he dies on the cross. He dies and they take his body down and they put him in a tomb. And it wasn't a tomb like we have today at the cemetery. It was actually like a, a cave. And so what happened was the enemies of Jesus were, they were concerned. And so they go to Pontius Pilate and they say, hey, look, um, we think somebody's going to steal his body. And so they actually put a huge stone that can't be moved by just a couple of people. They put over this, the tomb this stone and they seal it. Come on, they seal it. And then they put guards on the front of it. And what's interesting is you ask, where is his disciples now? Where, where are they? Well, they're all scared. They're all scared for their lives. They're like, man, it's, it's over. Here's the thing. I, I think everything that we were living for, we left our, our, our families to follow Jesus. I think it's over. And here's the second benefit of the resurrection is that I don't have to fear death. You know, death is num people's number one fear because they don't know where they're going to end up. 
They don't know. But here's the good news. The good news is that today you can know that when you take your last breath on earth, that you can open your eyes up in heaven and be in the presence of God. You don't have to fear death. Death is not the end. Jesus actually overcame death. He conquered death. And you know, the Bible says, as a Christian, death has no sting. As a Christian, here's what death is for the Christian. The Bible says, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. In other words, for me, death is just a transfer of address. I close my eyes and I open them in heaven. But you know what? We could talk about our physical death today, but you know what? Let's be honest. Some of us today have experienced death. We've experienced death in some of the relationships that we've gone through. There are some of us here today that maybe you've gone through a divorce. It's been a death of a relationship. Some of you experienced the death in your job. Not that anybody died, but you got laid off. It was unexpected. And some of us, not in the area of maybe of our job or maybe in relationships, but for some of us sitting in this room, we've allowed dreams to die. We allow dreams in our hearts to die. And can I just encourage you? I love where our church is going. We're going to start this new series on the Holy Spirit in the next four weeks. Then we're going to head into this other series called Fruitful because God wants your life to bear much fruit. And then as we get into the summer, we're going to do a whole series called The Dreamers. And I believe that God wants to resurrect some people's dreams, that you have allowed them to die. You thought death was the end, but God wants to resurrect some of your visions that you have and that God has for you today. But I want to tell you, death is not the end. When God is involved, there can be a resurrection. You know, Mary Magdalene was one of the many ladies that she traveled with the guys, the 12 guys. There was a couple of actually ladies that traveled with the guys. How many of you know it's not good for 12 guys to travel for three years by themselves? So Mary Magdalene was the first one at the tomb and she went she was bringing some essential oils. Come on, somebody, some spices. And she was going to the tomb and then she realized that when she looked that the seal was broken. The stone had been rolled away. And when she looked, she saw the cloth where Jesus is, he was buried in this, this cloth. And when he, she looked, she started to cry. And all of a sudden there was these two lights. And the Bible tells us that they were angels. And I love these words that the angels speak. The angels say this, the angels say, why do you look for the living among the dead? See, some of us in our lives, we hang out with dead things, dead people, people that don't do our lives any good, that are negative, and we wonder why our lives are the way they are. And I want to ask you, why do you look for the living among the dead? And today, she looked, and today we can have life. We don't have to be among the dead only to help raise them up. But you know what? The angels say, why do you look for the living among the dead? And then Jesus says, and he speaks up and he says, Mary, I'm here. And she turns around and she sees him. And Jesus resurrected from the dead, just like he said. 
See, this is another reason why the first Christians and the believers were so, and their faith was so contagious. You know why? Because there was eyewitnesses. People saw Jesus raised from the dead. There was eyewitnesses. Acts chapter one, verse three says this, for 40 days after his death, Jesus appeared to people many times in many ways that proved beyond a doubt. Listen to those words. He proved beyond the doubt that he was alive. They saw him and and talked with him about the kingdom of God. Can I just be honest with you? I would not want to be the people that put Jesus on the cross if he's up walking around. And to be honest, if I was Jesus, I'm not. But if I was, I have ADD, I have ADHD, AT&T, and all this stuff going on in my head. But if I was Jesus, when I read that, I was like, Dude, you know, I would walk into Pontius Pilate's bedroom. He was the Roman governor that sentenced Jesus. I'd walk into his bedroom at night, and I'd do my best Arnold Schwarzenegger impersonation. I'd be like, I'm back. That would freak him out. But I would not want to be someone who put Jesus on the cross. But guess what? There were eyewitnesses. This is what changes everything, is that people actually witnessed Jesus walking around. Now, if I were to tell you this last week, I was hanging out in Temecula at the promenade and we were at P.F. Chang's and I told you that I saw Mariah Carey there, right? Mariah Carey was eating at P.F. Chang's because she likes P.F. Chang's, right? And I told you, hey, listen, I, I was just hanging out this weekend and I saw Mariah Carey. You're like, oh man, come on, please. What have you been smoking? No, 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 seriously. I saw Mariah Carey. You're like, I don't believe that. Then you went to work and somebody said at work, hey, I saw Mariah Carey at P.F. Chang's in Temecula. You're like, oh, that's interesting. My pastor said that too. No, no, I saw her. Nah, I don't believe that, right? And then all of a sudden you start coming in contact with people that said they saw Mariah Carey at P.F. Chang's eating, right? And then not only a couple people, then there's hundreds of people and then there's thousands of people that said they saw Mariah Carey at P.F. Chang's. Now you're posed with a problem. You don't wanna believe. And this is what happened with Jesus is thousands of people saw him resurrected. This is what empowered the early church to rise up and say, he is risen. And my church family, this is what separates everything that we know about what we know about other religions is that he is alive. He is not dead. Now, at this point in the message, you could say, Pastor Phil, man, this is great. Man, kudos to you, man. I like this stuff. Yeah, he, he's alive, and I want to celebrate, and I, I just believe that God is alive, and I'm glad, and I think we did a good job today of celebrating him. But I want to encourage you today. Easter and God's plan was not that just we would come together, listen, and celebrate the resurrection. God's plan would be that we would come together and experience a resurrection in our lives, not just celebrate it. That's awesome. And we honor that. But here's what Jesus did when he rose again. He didn't rise up and leave you down. He rose up so you can rise up too. He rose up so you could get up too. He didn't just rise up so to leave you down and say, hey, celebrate me. He said, no, you know what? Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to rise up and I want you to rise up too. Here's the third benefit of the resurrection. I get God's spirit in me. 
in me. He leaves us with this resurrection spirit. Romans chapter 8 verse 11 says, but if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give you and give you life. Everybody say that with me. Say life. Give you life to your mortal body through his spirit who dwells in you. Another translation of the Bible that I really like, I've been reading, it's called the Passion Translation. It's just kind of more in modern day English. It says this of Romans 8, 11. It says, Jesus, it says, yes, God raised Jesus to life. And since God's spirit of resurrection lives in you, he will also raise your dying body to life by the same spirit that breathes life into you you. Jesus had a habit when he walked on the earth of interrupting funerals. He went to Lazarus, this guy who had died, and he went to his funeral. It seemed like it was over. They thought death was the end. And then Jesus makes this this statement that I've never, ever heard anybody else say. He said this, I am the resurrection and the life I looked up that word resurrection in the Greek and that word resurrection means arising again. Listen to this, to stand up. It means to stand up. And can I just encourage you today, if you're down and out, you need a resurrection. Can I encourage you today, if your life seems stuck, you need a resurrection. If you're on the 15 highway and there is tons of traffic and you are cussing and making God blush, you need a resurrection. If you only come to church on Easter and Christmas, you need a resurrection. And I'm telling you today that we have a God that does resurrection. And let me ask you this question in all seriousness. What area do you need a resurrection today? What area? Because God wants to empower you to get up. In Acts chapter 1 verse 8, it says, but you will receive power. Everybody say that with me. Say power. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. See, this is the third reason why the Christians of the early time in the early church, they were so contagious. They weren't living on their own power anymore. And sometimes I wonder, not because I'm judgmental, but sometimes I wonder, I see a lot of Christians and we're supposed to have resurrection life. And so many people that call Jesus their Lord and Savior walk around life, no smile. And I say, look, you're just trying to live on your own power. You don't have to live on your own power. And I want to remind us today, there is resurrection power that you can have today. So many people have this like power shortage. But here's the cool thing. This power is available for you every single day. Today, I'm up here in front of all these people. And I I think some of you would say, I could never get up in front of people like that. Me neither. But can I tell you what it is? It's resurrection power that's on the inside of me that goes beyond my own ability into something that is glorious. And for some of you today, you're tired. You're weak. You're exhausted. Some of you aren't even thanking God that it's spring break because that means your kids are gonna be home all week. Can I just encourage you? There's resurrection power that's available for you today. 
not just to celebrate the resurrection, but to experience that. Are you glad you came today? Here's the, yeah, you can give the Lord a great round of applause. Here's the fourth benefit of the resurrection is I am unconditionally loved by God. See, the cross and the resurrection proves that. I'm unconditionally loved by him. God is never going to stop loving you. Nothing could ever separate you from his love. Never, never, never. You cannot make God stop loving you. Some of you are trying very hard. But you can't. You can't. So can I tell you this? God just doesn't love. The Bible says he is love. His love for you is not based on what you do. His love for you is based on what he did. His love for you is not based on who you are. His love for you is based on who he is. He is love. And today he loves you. Romans chapter five, verse eight. This is one of my favorite scriptures. It says, but God demonstrated. Everybody say demonstrated. Love is supposed to be demonstrated. It's not just the I love you or the amo. It's not that. It's action, right? I think Beyonce had it right. If you like it, you're going to put a ring on it if you love it. If you don't, you can keep talking about it all the time. But love is not talk. Love is demonstration. And he, look when God demonstrated his love. But God demonstrated his own love for us when? While we were perfect? Is that what it says? While we were sinners, Christ died. In other words, you didn't do anything. He did everything. And what connects us to that is having faith in God. See, I think this is the fifth reason why Christianity exploded. Because it's not a message of fear. It's not a message of hate. It's not a message of anger. It's a message of love, a message of love. Here's the fifth benefit. Because of the resurrection, I can live with purpose and meaning. See, our lives and your life is not an accident. As I talk to more and more people, one of the reasons more people are frustrated and tired is because they're not fulfilling their purpose. You know, I have a Jeep Liberty uh, and I love my Jeep Liberty. It's just pretty good. You know, I like it. But if I take it and, and run it off a pier at the ocean, it's not going to do well in the ocean. It's actually going to sink. And I can be really upset at Jeep and I can say, hey, you know what? They're, they're, you know, just the quality of what they make is not good. In terms of what that Jeep is supposed to be, it's not supposed to go in the water. It's made for land. It's made to do certain things. See, it's like your life. Your life is not made for certain, for things that sometimes are outside of our purpose. Our lives are made for a purpose. And when you experience that purpose, guess what happens? There's fulfillment. Mark chapter eight, verse 35, Jesus said, for whomsoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel's sake will save it. That's what we want to help you do here at Passion Life Church. We want to help you know God. We want to help you grow in your faith. We want to help you discover your purpose and go make a difference. And here's the last one for today. Because of the resurrection, here's the sixth benefit. I can be certain that I can go to heaven. I can be certain that I can go to heaven. My friends today, I am certain today that I can go to heaven. 
And you know why I'm certain? Not because of anything that I have done, because of my faith in what Jesus did. Not because of my sin, but because of the sacrifice that Jesus did for my, for my sin. And today, I'm gonna ask as we close that if you would all would stand today, if you all would just stand with me today, because I wanna end today with the prayer. I wanna end today with a prayer. You don't have to go through life wondering if you can go to heaven or not. You don't have to wonder and doubt. Am I gonna make it? Am I gonna make it? No, you can be certain because the resurrection changes everything. I'm gonna ask everyone across this room as we say this closing prayer, if you would close your eyes for just a moment. And I say close our eyes because this is such a personal, personal decision that we make. And I wanna ask you this question. Are you certain you're going to heaven? If you were to walk out of here today and later today, pass on. The Bible says we're not guaranteed tomorrow. Would you know that when you closed your eyes today on earth, you would open them in heaven? I want to pray a prayer with you. Today, I want your faith to be stirred in the sacrifice that Jesus did for you. Ladies and gentlemen, he died for you. If you were the only person on the planet, he would die for you because he loves you. That's the good news of the gospel. That's the good news of the gospel. With every head bowed and every eye closed. Today, if you say, Pastor Phil, I wanna have faith. What is faith? Faith starts with just choosing to believe. Jesus is alive today. He loved you. He loves you. He's never gonna stop. He died for your sins. And if you say, Pastor Phil, today, I wanna accept him in my heart. Jesus called it being born again. Born on the inside. Resurrection life on the inside, coming inside of you today. If you would say, that's me, Pastor Phil. I wanna have faith in his sacrifice. Today, I want him to come inside my heart. And I want him to save me today. I want you just to slip up your hand right where you're at. Just slip up your hand right where you're at. I just want to know who I'm including in my prayer today. Would you just slip up your hand? God bless you. See those hands. Anybody else, just slip up those hands. Maybe you're here today and you don't know where you stand with God. And you also know that you need to rededicate your life. Why not do it on this great Easter Sunday and say, I want resurrection life. I want to focus on that in my life. I'm tired of doing it my own way. Today you say, I need to rededicate my life to Jesus Christ. If that's you, would you just lift your hand right where you're at. I want to know who I'm praying for today. God bless you. God bless you. You can put your hands down. As we say this closing prayer, I want everyone all across this room to say this with me. The Bible says that if we'll believe in our heart and if we'll confess with our mouth, Jesus, that he will come inside our heart and he will make us new. Let's say this together. Let's say it with faith. Say, Father God, come on, say it loud. Father God, thank you for sending your son. Jesus could die on the cross for me. 
Father God, forgive me of all of my sin. I'm a sinner and I need a savior. Save me today and cleanse me of all the guilt and all the shame so I can experience the resurrection life. Jesus, I confess you as my Lord and as my Savior. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, I'm going to live for you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. Come on, give him the greatest round of applause. Today, people are coming into the family of God. Thank you for listening today. We hope that you were encouraged and uplifted by today's message. For more information about Passion Life Church, visit us online at passionlifechurch.com.